1: Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business. This is the show where we talk about how to grow your dog related business to a healthy six figures per year or more in revenue. I'm excited for our guest today. We talked to him and I didn't realize it had been almost 10 years ago to the day that we spoke. And so, We had him on years and years and years ago, and we're having him on again, and I'm super excited because he gave us a ton of great info back then, and I'm sure he's going to give us some great info now. So stay with us. We're going to be right back here with Mark Van Wy. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat
0: Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
1: All right, we're back. And so, first off, thanks for being on the show, Mark. I appreciate you coming back.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I remember fondly doing it the first time about a decade ago. And since then, among other things, I've become the CEO. So, Back then, I was with the company, but not in the leadership capacity.
1: Oh, awesome. Okay, so you're the CEO of, well, let's get into that.
0: Who are you? Who do you work for? Like, what do you do? Tell us about Mark. Well, I'm the boss, so I work for me. Um, (laughs) I am the CEO of Zoom Room Dog Training, and we've been uh, franchising for a decade, starting right around the time you and I first spoke. We actually got um, wonderful franchisees out of the last podcast we did together. We have a a wonderful franchisee. She used to be a, a rocket scientist this but now has one just outside of dallas and trophy club and she first learned about zoom room from listening to you ty so i really appreciate that awesome and uh yeah and about five years ago i took over as ceo and um did a lot of changes to the company since then and so we're kind of in our 2.0 version right now
1: so for those who don't know what is zoom room what do you guys
0: do we are a national dog training franchise. We're an indoor dog training gym and our emphasis is really on the human participation, on the socialization aspects and on really including and focusing our attention on the dog owners and giving them the education they need to deepen their bonds of communication with the dog.
1: So you said gym, what does that mean? Is this like agility? Is this, I mean, what are
0: you guys doing in there? So we offer everything you'd expect, puppy training, obedience, but we set it up very much like a human gym. So we really have a lot of emphasis on physicalization, like agility course. So we do agility training. We also have a class called Pup Pilates that uses a lot of equipment like you'd find in a Pilates gym to help with core conditioning, confidence building, strength balance. It's good for recovering dogs as well. And we do rally, we do scent work, we do urban herding indoors, anything that you can do to be localized in the safety and security and management of an indoor dog training facility that's fully dedicated to that one purpose.
1: Okay. Let me dig into this real quick, because this is something that I've found a lot of businesses struggle with is they try to do a lot of things. And when they try to do a lot of things, they end up falling in certain areas and so as you're explaining the things you do you're talking scent work you're talking obedience you're talking agility you're talking urban herding there's a lot of stuff you're doing how do you guys manage that like um, the logistics of running so many different programs
0: It's a great question. I mean, for us, it is a very laser-focused one. In other words, we don't do any daycare, no boarding, no grooming, um, no other services. It's all training. It all utilizes the exact same tool set, which is positive reinforcement. So when you come in with your dog at the beginning, you've just rescued her or you've gotten a new puppy, we really get you inculcated into the mindset of positive reinforcement. Once you get that down, we can take you and your dog anywhere you want. And then the only complexity of those different types of training is um, organizing the schedule to follow the demand and serve the specific community of that location best. So, for example, coming out of 2020, when we, of course, we meaning America, saw a 700% increase in dog ownership levels with all of the adoptions and puppies, stores that used to do tons of agility, which would be very popular, really have had to shift to um, lots of puppy classes, just round-the-clock puppy classes and basic obedience, because that's really where people are needing us the most right now. And we're able to very nimbly adapt and serve those needs better when the situation calls for it.
1: So do you have multiple customer journeys? So for example, Do you ask everybody to come in through the lens of obedience or can they come into your company through agility? And this one came in through obedience and this one came, does that make sense? Are there multiple customer journeys or just absolutely?
0: No, definitely there are multiple ones. Um, there's certainly the, the mainstream, which would be someone entering with a newly rescued dog that they know needs some training or a, a puppy. Um, and then they follow the journey, they fall in love quickly, and then they just want to do everything. I mean, where we've really, really changed the, the key dynamic of dog training more than anywhere else, even more than the emphasis on the human involvement and participation is creating something that is a repeatable lifetime activity. So whereas dog training traditionally has been, you know, you drop your dog off somewhere or you bring your dog to a Petco for six classes. Only 6% of our customers take six classes. 94% continue on. It's not uncommon for them to take 50, 100, hundreds of classes over the lifetime. It becomes something that they can do infinitely. Really the same way you and I might go to a yoga class or the gym. We don't say, oh, only two more classes And I finished yoga and I get my certificate and now I know it. Um, You do it forever with no end in sight. And we've really created a retention program so that people stay with us, don't tire and never have any um, lack of things they can continue to do with their dog.
1: Let me ask you about that. Do you, are you guys able to track your churn rate? Like, how much do people churn over and like stop using you? Like, what is the stick rate at a Zoom room?
0: Eighty-seven percent. So we retain eighty-seven percent of our customers, which is extremely high, and that's part uh, in part driven by just the the satisfaction our customers get from us in terms of star ratings and uh, things like our net promoter score, which is a ninety. That's at the level of like an Apple or an Amazon, the willingness of our customers to refer their friends that helps lower our customer acquisition costs and really helps to drive that fierce loyalty of how quickly we become part of the just daily or weekly lives of our customers.
1: So I want to ask you maybe for some tips on that and to preface it, I talk a lot, you know, when I'm doing consulting with other dog trainers and stuff like that, I talk a lot about, hey, basically I have two models. You know, we have the high ticket model, you know, where you're charging a lot and you need that because you have customer acquisition and you have your costs and you have overhead and labor and all that stuff. Or you can have a lower ticket, but you have to retain and you have to retain people and continue to get them to purchase your programs over and over and over. Obviously, you guys have gone with the latter. I know the short answer might be do a really good job and people keep coming back. but is there more to it than that to get people there is. using you over and over?
0: Absolutely. For us, when we look at, at CAC, at customer acquisition costs, we always think of it in the same time as pushing both ends of what you were just talking about. Like We really come at it both ways. So we want to increase lifetime revenue, and we really want to focus on the ratio of what lifetime spending of our customers are versus the cost to acquire them. And mm-hmm. It'll vary by industry, you know, general rule of business would be you want that to be a 3x or 5x. Um, At Zoom Room, our lifetime revenue is 50 times our cost to acquire, 100x at the top 25% of clients. And for our franchisees, as the franchisor, we really need to look at not just keeping all of our franchisees profitable, which they are in the six figures, but also their cash flow. Cash flow is king in this business. And so we even track what customers are spending just in the first eight weeks of their journey with us. And that's at a 10x of the cost to acquire. So it is through um, having a lot of sophisticated data analytics that help drive targeted marketing for ongoing retention, as well as a sophisticated tech stack to help with the client acquisition at the onset.
1: That's awesome. And and we're getting a little bit nerdy now, but I like it because I know (laughs)
0: our
1: our listeners need to hear this because our industry needs this. Because what you're saying is, so to give an example, with high ticket trainers, a one to 10 or one to 15 is pretty awesome. Meaning I put in a dollar towards customer acquisition. Maybe that's an ad in a newspaper, an ad in a magazine, an ad online, whatever. And I will get 10 to $15 back. And so, I've always used that as like, that's really great. If you've got 10 to 15 X, you know, meaning you put in a buck, you get 10 to 15 back, you can grow quite a bit. What you're saying is that uh, you guys are often able to get 20, 50, sometimes even up to hundred X on your investment. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely. 50 would be the average tracked across all time and all locations and a hundred X, I'm looking at our top 25% of customers.
1: So this makes sense to me right now. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because I I know what you guys did in 2020, how you brought on a whole bunch of new franchises in the middle of like this awesome apocalypse we've been going through. (laughs) When I heard how, you know, that you have people buying multiple franchises, what my mind immediately said is they must have very, very good customer acquisition because if somebody's putting out money right now in the middle of a pandemic and they're going to buy five units of Zoom room, for example they must feel pretty darn confident that they're going to get their money back and obviously make a profit off of it, you know, pretty quickly after that. And so can you talk a little bit about customer acquisition? Can you talk a little bit about what your guys' strategy are for bringing on new clients quickly? yeah
0: absolutely um so we'll have obviously multiple channels one we've already talked about and that's just people's willingness to recommend their friends we are a retail location brick and mortar and so you know there will be some drive-by walk-by location based things in terms of what we're doing online a lot of it is anticipating changes in the social media platform before they actually happen so that we're ready ahead of time and have already developed a software solution to deal with it and a strategy and we've been able to do that multiple times so for example in anticipation of facebook changing their algorithm to sort of downplay the voice of businesses and play up only individuals speaking to their friends and family we were able to design our own platform software which we offer for free and at no cost for our franchisees to use or run that lets their customers actually share Photos, videos, and other media of their journey and all, you know, dogs jumping through hoops and flying over A frames onto their own personal pages with all of the appropriate tagging. So that's been one very efficient means of doing it. And then on the paid ads on paid social platforms, we use dynamic intelligence to change the content of ads. But the most important is we built our own algorithm that optimizes targeting. And that's really the best advice I can give is often it's not so much about the creative itself, the visual, the copy. It's really about knowing exactly who your audience is. And it's always going to be more complex than just say male or female or age range, that's old school. And it gets very, very granular. And you need a sophisticated set of data analytics to be able to do that and to constantly be fishing in the right pond, which moves day to day.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. You said something about you have this software that your customers use. Is this like an app where maybe they take a picture within the app and it hooks up to their Facebook account or their Instagram account and they just hit send? And it already comes preloaded with the right hashtags and stuff like that. Is that what you mean?
0: It's similar. It's actually all done through email and text instead of through an app. One of the other things right now, as we're speaking today, there's a huge war going on between Apple and Facebook as Apple changes its privacy requirements that is adversely affecting many, many small businesses. And Facebook is, you know, making a lot about that, that it's hurting them. We're actually unaffected. And part of that is we've stayed away from apps. There's a value to them, but at the same time, the apps ultimately are at the whim of Apple or Android to change the rules and the privacy, how activity gets tracked within them. So we've actually skirted away from using any standalone app, which gives us a lot more transparency with our customers and not to be at the mercy of these sort of tech giants having these battles and we're the citizens in the town getting stepped on as they're having their big moth wars. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of advertising on Facebook and thankfully, like our advertising is working as good as it ever has, but our our tracking at this point is off because of that little war that Facebook and and Apple are having right now. So yeah, yeah, funny stuff these days. I want to learn more about like who's owning these franchises and stuff like that. But let me take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to dig in deeper into what you guys are doing that's bringing you, you know, clients on demand here. So hang on one second, we'll be right back. take a bite out of your competition. And uh, we are talking with Mark Van Wy of uh, Zoom Room, and we're talking about how 2020 was a big year of growth for you guys, right? Did you bring on a bunch of like new like, multi-unit franchisees? Like, what happened to you guys in 2020?
0: We did. In spite of 2020 being 2020 for everybody, we actually opened three new locations in California, Florida and Arizona in 2020. And we sold another 15 locations that are now in the process of opening, including our first three unit deal in um, Austin and our first five unit deal just toward the end of 2020 in the Dallas market. And so we're really, I think, now at the age and stage of a franchise where we are able to attract investors who are looking further down the road, looking for a longer investment. A typical dog daycare would cost about a million dollars to open, soup to nuts. I mean, that's your cost. Um, a Zoom room is about a fourth of that, about two hundred fifty thousand. So it's a very low cost. So so many investors of all types are so drawn to the pet industry right now. Pet Supplies Plus just was just acquired for seven hundred million oh, wow. a couple days ago. And you know, and what they're doing is they're selling pet retail in a landscape with Chewy and Amazon duking it out and yet still can fetch prices like that. So everybody wants to be in pet, but the price tag can be high. I think to a shrewd investor who sees how the pet market has done in down economies, even in a pandemic, the idea that for the price of one dog daycare, you could open four Zoom rooms and not just have one location in a town, but you know, control the Atlanta market, control the Miami market, and really build a nice moat around your business. If you're going to go in for a penny, go in for a pound. And so we're finally getting attention there, which I love because we really designed Zoom room to be semi-absentee, to be run by someone who has no prior experience. And who can um, hire the staff from anywhere without any special knowledge and let us do all of the training and education needed to get it up and running.
1: Now, how does that work? I mean, do you guys have so many like operational processes that it's that it's easy? I mean, because that's like the holy grail for a lot of dog trainers these days is a lot of dog trainers are like, I'd sure like to just manage my business from afar. What does it take to be able to actually do that, to manage a large business without having to be there every single day?
0: I think you need to have the skill set of some business experience in management. You have to have, you know, worked high enough at a business or owned your own business so that you're comfortable managing staff. You know how to do hiring and firing and incentives and run a good team. You know how to look at a spreadsheet. You know how to look at cash flow, read a P&L. But other than general business experience, and I think a general excitement about the pet space and about the town that you're going to be you know, serving, other than that, you really can hire staff that are going to go through the Zoom Room training program. And we like people who actually don't have any prior experience, not just that they don't have perhaps habits that we need to break them of, but we'd really like them to come to us being great at customer service happy, energetic, outgoing, enthusiastic, and let us do the rest. So they go through almost a grad school level program that we've created in animal behavior, and then the hands-on component to get them familiar with all of the aspects of handling. It's worked tremendously well for us.
1: So do new trainers that they bring on, so you've got somebody in California, Texas, Florida, wherever, do they have to send people to your training school before deploying them back into their own business?
0: At the beginning, when they first open, they will come out here and they'll go through it. And that's included in the franchise fee. So there's no added cost to that. Later on, the way it scales up at the point where they start realizing, okay, now I need more trainers. I want to get even more classes going. And the the two people I started with now, they need some breaks and we need to add more. At the point where they reach that in their journey, they have logged enough classroom hours that we actually let them do it themselves. And so we take the brakes off of them and then they can send their own new hires through the same program they went through. But instead of us acting as the mentors, they can now act as mentors to their own employees. And so at that point, they never have any added cost after the initial one.
1: Gotcha. This is so cool to hear because I've been telling people for years that in this industry, in the dog training industry, there aren't big players yet, but- This is a multi-billion dollar industry and big players are going to be around the corner as soon as they can learn how to monetize and scale this type of business. And it sounds like you guys are finding the processes that allow you to scale this type of business such that somebody can come in, open up four in one city, boom, and get going. And so I hope there's two people listening. One, the person that says, I got up my game, you know, because there's folks like Zoom Room. There's folks like what we're doing, you know, plug myself here a little bit. But, you know, there's folks like those that are starting to take this to another level, number one. And then number two, people are saying that, like, <laughs> I don't want up my game. Let me just talk to these guys. They already know how to do
0: it. And I'll just I'll just do what they're doing. And so at this point, how many franchises do you have? We have 12 that are open and then 14 more that are in the process of opening right now. I think our next one will be opening this year. We should be opening them in Reno, Nevada, down in San Diego, another one up in Seattle, some in Texas, a whole bunch all around.
1: Where are you in California? I, I live in California. Where are you guys in California? Your locations.
0: Right now we have them up in the Bay Area in Belmont, down in OC in Huntington Beach and in LA County we've got Sherman Oaks, Culver City, Redondo Beach, Thousand Oaks, a new one opening in Valencia, a new one opening in San Diego and then we're yeah those are the those are the California ones.
1: Very awesome. Okay. Given Zoom room, how many trainers work there at most of them in one location?
0: We keep part of how we stay so profitable is that we have only two people working at a given moment. So there's two people, someone working at the front desk and one trainer. Stores, as they grow, will have a deeper and deeper bench. Most stores typically have two or three trainers and then that can go up after that just so that people can float around take time off and there can be more flexibility i mean covid certainly has created more needs for people to take time off to take care of family things like that but we've been able to stay open and and serve uh, you know being in greater demand than ever before
1: gotcha and square footage like what does the square footage run on a on a zoom
0: room Again, how we keep the costs down and the profit high. So it's a very small footprint. It's under 3,000 square feet is all that you need. And it's zoned retail. So it can be really open anywhere in town where customers are already taking their dogs and out and you know, feel comfortable going out with their family. So there's tremendous flexibility and really can be put in any urban, suburban area. I think rural is the only place that I, I, I'm not sure that a Zoom room would make any sense, just like you wouldn't open up crossfit gym there so pretty much where there's a successful juice place coffee place Mm -hmm. gym a zoom room typically fits right in and serves a similar clientele
1: that's awesome now how have you guys managed to even open these during covid i mean with lockdown orders and all sorts of stuff like that how are you guys navigating that atmosphere
0: The opening has been pretty easy because construction markets have not really slowed down at all. Construction kept going throughout the country. Permitting definitely is slower, I think, than I've seen ever before. So just getting permits from cities with state governments and city governments have so many furloughed employees, that's definitely been a rate determining step. But where we got very lucky is even when you and I spoke the first time a decade ago, the first thing you would learn walking into a Zoom room was the six-foot rule, which is not a sign that we have a crystal ball, but it's the rule that you always stay six feet away from all it. It's, as you know, Ty, it's the length of a leash. So yep. just as a because the customers are responsible for their dogs and they're always with their dogs at all times, you keep six-foot distance. So our facilities are built around that model. So with small group classes, able to accommodate the groups class size with everyone six feet away. And our puppy classes are for under-vaccinated puppies. And so we've always used hospital-grade germicide to hit all touch points throughout the day. So we were basically all set for COVID. Small group classes, the disinfectant, the six-foot rule, it was all there. All we had to do was throw on the masks for our staff and our customers. And as we talked about earlier, start offering a lot more puppy classes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope people listening right now are seeing the depth that it takes to build a sustainable model that can grow. Because a lot of our listeners, they do want to grow. Some don't. But either way... The amount of processes that you guys have built in is is impressive, you know, and, and this is something that a lot of people in our industry don't think about. They don't think about, you know, creating all these processes, whether we're talking COVID or, or anything else. But like, I'm sure you guys have a process for how to find your location and you have a process for how to mop the floor and you probably have a process for every darn thing that you guys do. And that's why you're able to sit there in California. You're in California, right? Yeah where you're able to be in California and run your business across the rest of the country in a skill-based business. You know, this isn't flipping hamburgers. This is people that have nothing wrong with flipping hamburgers, but there's a lot more skill involved with training a dog, obviously. And and so you guys have been able to break everything down and systematize the whole process. I think that's awesome. And so one last question, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't end with this question because I don't even know if you can answer it because I understand that with franchises, you know, there's certain numbers you're legally allowed to share and not if somebody is considering this, like, what does revenue for one one unit look like? I mean, I, obviously, it's going to vary and things like that. But are you able to talk any numbers as far as that goes?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We, um, you know, one big change from when you and I first spoke to now, besides when I became CEO, it was really to focus on the unit economics and to develop the very processes you're talking about to make it to where this system just churns along and is profitable. So we now publish what is optional for franchises, and it's called an item 19 disclosure. So when someone's interested in a Zoom Room franchise, they will read our franchise disclosure document that all franchisors are required to publish. And optionally, we can put in financial performance statements into this item 19. And so I'm legally allowed to share those numbers because we've already published them with the states and the federal government. So for 2020, we saw um, year-over-year growth in sales four times the rate of the pet industry itself. On the unit side, we're looking at 33.1% net profit margins. And that comes out to I think 149,000 and change about 150,000 of net profit. And that's the median across all of our stores. So that's what people are looking at as just you know, the pure gravy net profit each year. And to me, the exciting thing when you talk about processes is yeah, we figured everything out, except we keep figuring out more and more and better yeah. stuff. So every year for the last three years, we've been publishing all of our numbers, full P and L's for people can read how each store is doing. We're really excited and proud. So we like to show all that laundry. We think that's the stuff that gets investors excited at seeing how well the system works. And every year our numbers get better. I mean, even 2020, which was a bonkers here.
1: That's awesome. And that's, I mean, for somebody putting in 250, a return of 150 a year is, I mean, that's phenomenal, right? Like I'm not in your franchising industry, but that's a very attractive, it's a very attractive offer, right?
0: Oh absolutely. Yeah, no, hugely so. We the gentleman who just opened up in Orlando at the very end of last year has already let us know that he's expanding that footprint and ready to open another couple locations down there after, you know, that's something you usually you might hear years down the line if ever, but a few weeks after opening, he already can see the numbers that he's doing and just how excited the community is to have him there, to have a place like that where they can congregate, get together, and um, just have such an awesome time and a great experience. That's
1: awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell people how they can learn more about what you're doing, follow along with Zoom Room? Where can they go for that?
0: Absolutely. We are at zoomroom.com. And you'll see a franchise link on the website if you want to go there. So we have a fully dedicated section at zoomroom.com slash franchise that gives you all the information about the opportunity. But if you just want to get a sense of like what our classes look like and our schedule and prices, our consumer facing site is zoomroom.com.
1: That's awesome. And we'll include the website in the show notes and stuff like that. So. Well, great! I appreciate you being on. It's awesome to see what you guys are accomplishing, and I'm definitely following you because you know we're trying to do similar things. And so to see what you guys are doing in this industry, people need to start paying attention to the Zoom rooms and and the folks that are actually expanding. Because if you don't pay attention, they're going to take your market share and be happy about it. So, well, cool. Thanks again for being on.
0: Thank you, Ty. I really appreciate it.
1: And for the listeners, you know, make sure to head over to PetLifeRadio.com, listen to all the other episodes of Six Figure Dog Business, and. When you're done, listen to all the other episodes of the other cool shows. There's tons of cool shows on PetLifeRadio.com. You can head over to the TyTheDogGuy.com to see what we're up to. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.